Who Gets to Decide, a liberty-based podcast that brings a little piece of sanity to a confused society drowning in a culture of craziness. And here is your host, Seth Martin. All right. What's up, everybody? And welcome to another episode of Who Gets to Decide. This is Seth Martin, your host. Thank you for joining me this evening. Glad you're here and always happy you are listening. Well, with any luck, as you're listening, I am probably on the slopes in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. So this was pre-recorded and in the can, ready for your listening pleasure. So I hope you enjoy. I cut a clip. You know, one of the things I've noticed, or maybe you've noticed, is I don't play a lot of Fox News, CNN, or MSNBC on here. Sometimes I do, but for the most part, I don't. Because those those stations, and and you know, I've, I've, I've actually quit watching them for the most part, but those stations are void of anything really important going on uh, in America outside of the election. I think the election is important. I don't uh, talk much about it, but... I think it's an important election. Maybe, you know, they often tell us this election is going to be the most important election in history. Maybe this one is. I don't know. It certainly feels like that if the Democrats or the Biden administration has another term, and God forbid Kamala Harris be president, but it just feels like if they stay in power, the country is going to come ripping apart at the seams. And maybe it will before they even leave office. I don't know. Um, but all the intelligent conversation, you know, the original thought and all that, it's not happening on Fox news or CNN or MSNBC. There's a little bit happening on Newsmax and OAN and channels like that. But if you, if you want to see interesting conversations and, you know, where these, these, these journalists aren't framing discussions in such a way that you can't, you know, you can't reply, you can't respond in a meaningful manner, then you, you got to kind of branch out. You got to go to some of these other outlets. And this, uh, today we're going to play uh, a clip from uh, a program on Anadula TV, which is a Turkish owned company. And I don't know the reporter's name or the journalist's name, but she's interviewing a lady, uh, a doctor named, uh, Miriam Francois. And so the topic, let me just kind of set the groundwork or set the framework here. The topic is about the 25,000 dead Palestinians in, in Palestine or in the Gaza Strip within Israel. And the reporter is, is really not talking about that. She's talking about the, this group called the Houthis. You may have heard about the Houthis. The Houthis are creating some problems on the uh, on the open seas uh, for trade routes. They've they they're not blockading anything or anything like that, but they're boarding these vessels. In in one case, they sunk a vessel, I think. But they get on there and you know I don't know I don't know if they're killing anybody. I'm not sure exactly what they're doing to disrupt trade, but they're they're boarding some of these vessels and holding people hostage and stuff. And and this is bad. Okay, I'm not. I want to be really clear. I'm not defending what the Houthis are doing. But I think what you have to understand in the world that we live in is we have 
we live in a world dominated by states, states like the United States and Saudi Arabia and Israel and Spain, almost any country in Europe, just pick a country. And these are very powerful, powerful uh, entities. And in many cases, they have large armies and so on and so forth. So when, when somebody is being wronged in the world, like the Houthis have been, and the Palestinians, in, in my opinion, are being treated poorly. I mean, that's kind of putting it lightly, I think. Sometimes what, what will surface is this asymmetric type warfare. You know, if, if, you're, you know, if your enemy is big then you, and you're small, then you, you know, this is like Sun Tzu, the art of war stuff, right? You, you do things that hurt the enemy, um, that you can handle. Like, like these guys aren't going to, it's kind of like Joe Biden said, Hey, if you're going to, if you want to, you know, push back against the United States, you're going to need something more than a gun. You know, you're going to need an F-15. That's what he told the American public because some people are pushing back on our government in America. But it's the same way with the Houthis when they're dealing with America or they're dealing, you know, trying to push back um, European forces or, or, or they're upset about what's happening in, in Palestine or whatever. So this discussion is kind of interesting because this reporter, this journalist is, is constantly trying to bring it back to trade. She's wanting to talk about, hey, the Houthis are holding the global community hostage with, with, you know, interrupting these trade routes. And that's bad for sure. I mean, obviously that's bad on the face of it. I'm not advocating that, that that's okay. But this Dr. Miriam Francois, what she's trying to point out is, look, this is what you do if you're small. <laughs> you know, these people are, these people have no power, Right. And this is something I think Democrats would especially understand if they were open to the conversation. But, you know, if you're small and you have no power, but you're being oppressed, I mean, this is the language they speak in, oppressed versus oppressor. You know, this is this is how you behave. Um, so anyway, I just thought it was an interesting conversation. Um, you know, I, it, it's not about the Houthis doing something right. Okay. We're not, we're not defending the Houthis. Okay. That's not what I'm doing here. Um, I'm also not defending Israel or the Palestinians, what they did, the Hamas, what they did to Israel. Obviously that's bad, but there is, there is a, what is it? Newton's second law or whatever of thermodynamics, um, Newton laws of motion, you know, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. And the point that this woman is trying to make, and I think she does a pretty good job, is that, hey, look, if you want to, you know, play cowboys, as she puts it, there's going to be some pushback. You're, you know, people aren't just going to take it. They're going to they're gonna respond. And this is how the Houthis have chosen to respond. So I want to I play a little bit of this interview and... Um, and let you hear it and then a comment on it as well. 
should have acted sooner and faster, that hundreds of billions of dollars uh, has been put at risk because the Houthis have held uh, this area in the Red Sea um, at ransom. Sorry, so just let me get this straight, Yelda. So we are bombing the poorest, one of the poorest countries in the world that has been under a humanitarian blockade. There has been famine. These people have been decimated. And we are bombing them because a couple of guys in dinghies in support for the Palestinians who are having a genocide committed against them. They're objecting to that and we're bombing them. Come on now. I mean, well, this it, is just I, an insane world for us to even think. I, I'm so sorry your Amazon packages are delayed. I really am. Like, I wish mine came on time. But, you know, genocide, guys, genocide. There are two mothers a day dying in Gaza right now. It's 109 days into a conflict in which a humanitarian crisis has been declared to the world. So this journalist, you know, she wants to make this about global trade and, and how the Houthis are interrupting global trade. And she's like, what? You, you, you know, talking about missing the forest for the trees, you know, she brings up a good point. You know, not many people know much about the Houthis, but this, this goes back to when we, uh, it goes all the way back to George Bush. Okay. George Bush basically overthrew Iraq, okay, which was a secular society, more or less. I mean, yes, there were Sunnis and Shia living there, but the vast majority of the people living there were Shia. And it was more or less Sunni controlled, but in a secular kind of way. It wasn't a theocracy like Iran is. And, and we overthrew, we, the United States government, overthrew Iraq, okay, and essentially handed the country to the Shia Muslims. Well, this really pissed off Saudi Arabia, okay? Really pissed off Saudi Arabia. And a few years later, when um, Barack Obama came into power and was president, the Saudis were having trouble with the Yemenese government. This rebel group, the Houthis, were rising up and... We, we, the United States government, helped the Saudis prosecute a war and blockade the country uh, because we owed them one, <laughs> I mean, essentially. So we participated in blockading the country, killing hundreds of thousands of men and women, children, uh, mostly with things like, you know, supplies couldn't come in. So a lot of people just died of dysentery and things like that. I mean, just, just a a humanitarian disaster that most people don't even know anything about. So we spent, so how long ago was Barack Obama president? So we spent the better part of six or seven or eight years. Even Trump didn't put an end to it, which is really disappointing um, uh, that Trump didn't stop that. But he was making, you know, happy faces with the Saudis and he just didn't go there and not many people knew about it. So, you know, he didn't pay a political price for it. But, yeah, I mean, she's right. I mean, the West blockaded that country for years. And we essentially helped the Houthis come to power because we destroyed their population. And, and now you've got this rebel force in charge, sort of, uh, the Houthis. And they're upset about what's going on in Palestine. And so in protest, they're you know, 
performing piracy on the high seas. That's what's going on. And, um, you know, this lady's trying to make it about trade. And she's like, are you kidding me? There are people dying, like lots of people dying, uh, horrible deaths. And you're what? You're pissed because you can't get your Amazon packages on time? I just love it. I love when people talk to these journalists like that because she's desperately trying to frame this as a trade discussion. And this lady, this uh, Miriam Francois, she's just not having any of it. Day but by in, the way, uh, by the way, Dr. Francois, there are many who are Yemen watchers who are who monitor and follow the Houthis who say this is doing wonders for their branding. Actually, mm-hmm. that it isn't just the Palestinian cause that they're focused on. So call a ceasefire is- now and end the positive branding. If you want to stop the Houthis doing what they're doing, then call a Do ceasefire right now. Do you the Houthis would would stop doing what they're doing? If- they have literally said that that's why they're doing what they're doing. They have not previously blocked those routes for any other reason except this one. So yes, I do. So just another great quip by this Dr. Miriam Francois. She's like, well, you know, if you're concerned about the Houthis, you know, rising to power and, and strengthening their brand, then then stop the genocide and uh, call a ceasefire and stop the genocide in Palestine. You can, and it'll all be over. And, you know, they won't they won't be improving their brand. You don't have to worry about that. And then she said, so you honestly believe, you know, if, the, if they stop this, then, then they'll stop doing what they're doing. Yes, I don't actually have to believe anything. They're actually on record as saying that and, and saying that's why they're doing what they're doing. They're assigning a reason to what they're doing. Again, Newton's second law of motion or whatever. Every, every action creates an opposite and equal reaction. I mean, this look, just think of it like this. What if... What if you're at home trying to raise your children, okay? Let's just try to appeal to the moms out there. And there's bombs going off in your neighborhood. And people you know are having their limbs blown off and they're being killed. And when you talk to them at uh, your neighbors at night, you did you hear about Barbara? Barbara was killed last night by um, an American bomb. You know, they're bombing us with drones. What? Drones? What are those things? You know, I mean, can you just imagine? And then, and then... What? There's not going to be some radicals in the group that that branch off and go. We got to do something about this. I mean, just it's it's not that hard to put yourself in their shoes and understand what is going on. You know, it's it's like the it's like the the you know the Sean Hannitys of the world. Oh my God, the Iranian-backed rebels are bombing our troops in Syria, and it just never occurs to him that we probably shouldn't have troops in Syria. I mean, that, that idea is just somehow not even coming into his mind. And this is, this is a big problem with our media. Our media is, for whatever reason, is very cozy with power. I mean, they're on board. I, I mean, to the point where I, it almost feels like they're getting paid to be on board and not be an adversarial media. But... This, this woman clearly is not being paid to do that. She's pushing back and, and has, you know, great points that she's making. 
And I also think the West needs to start to understand that you can't just go around playing cowboys in the world. There are consequences to your actions. You cannot just go around bombing people's countries, ignoring international law and expect no repercussions. For every cause, there is a consequence. And just because you don't like a couple of guys trying to resist... I mean, these the fact are that this is... now prescribed terrorists. Uh, sure, according to Western government. Yeah, you know, look, you you can't behave this way. I mean, forget about international law. Okay, I don't I'm no fan of international law. I could give a shit less about international law. But what what about just understanding that other people are human beings? Now look, I know there's some bad people out there. And maybe some of these Houthis are bad. I'm not I'm not defending the Houthis. That's another thing these damn journalists do is they make these uh, fallacious arguments uh, that are that are full of holes, as this woman is pointing out. And then they put you in a situation where you have to defend somebody bad in order to make your point. And of course, that's not what we're trying to do. We're not, we're not saying two wrongs make a right. That's ridiculous. That's, that's more like what the governments do. That's what Joe Biden does, right? He, we get, our troops get bombed. We, we shouldn't be in a place, but our troops get bombed. And what do we do? We bomb them right back. Two wrongs make a right. No, that's not that's not what that's not two wrongs don't make a right that's not what we're saying and we're not justifying behavior bad behavior with other bad behavior that's that's ridiculous what we're saying is we're all human beings we all have a right to live we all have a, a right to live the way we want to live as long as we don't hurt other people and when you've got uh, our government and other governments running around the globe hurting other people, you know, I think you need to expect some pushback. I mean, look, when when 9-11 happened, and let me just say for the record, I was one of these guys that said, let's go kill them all and turn that place into a sheet of glass and all that kind of crap. But the reality is we found out real shortly after the fact that the reason Al-Qaeda and uh, uh, what is Osama bin Laden did what they did. Osama bin Laden wrote it down. He wrote down why he did what he did. And, um, and it had to do with we had bases in Saudi Arabia, uh, the place in the world where Mecca was located, and they didn't want our troops there, and they don't want the infidel living in their land and all this stuff. Okay, well then... Why are we there? Why are we imposing ourselves? It'd be like, look, it'd be like you're living at your home, right? And your neighbor comes over and just starts living in your house. And you're like, hey, dude, um, you need to leave. This is not your house. This is not where you live. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay here for a while, you know, because I, I need a second home. I need another place to hang out and watch TV because sometimes – my wife is watching TV, and I don't want to watch what she wants, so I need to hang out at your place. <laughs> You're like, what? No, get the hell out. This is not your place. This is not your house. It's the same thing. I mean, are, are, are these people trying to convince me that the Arabs don't have a, a right to, uh, to decide who comes into their country and stays there? I mean, aren't we making that argument right now in America? Aren't we saying that we as Americans have a right to decide who gets to come to our country and stay and live? 
And that should be an orderly process. And it shouldn't just be some sort of free-for-all. Isn't that what we're saying right now? Well, how can it be good for us? Or how can it be, how, how can we be in the right and, you know, people living in Saudi Arabia be in the wrong? I mean, again, we're all just human beings. Yes, they're Arabs. And maybe they don't think exactly the way we think. But they do think like human beings think. And that we have in common. So we ought to be able to understand that, yeah, if we go terrorize some group of people in some country, you know, we should expect a little pushback. I mean, I think that's, I think that's easy to understand. And it's not because they hate us for our freedom, and it's not because of these stupid ideas, or we need to fight them over there so we don't fight them over here and all this bullshit. That has nothing to do with anything. This is just stuff they say to keep it going and to keep you dull and uninterested so that you don't figure out what's going on. Well, they also, according to the Yemeni yeah. people. Because yeah, which is the Saudi-backed government, yeah. which is essentially our... People. But, but yeah. the Yemenis who live, uh, you know, under Houthi rule talk mm -hmm. about the fact that this group continues to terrorise them as well. Yeah, that's it. I am no fan of the Houthis, apart from when they're blockading in favour of a ceasefire, which should have been called a long time ago. Uh, uh, 25,000 people are dead in Gaza right now. There are over 60,000 people injured with no access to food, water, aid. How dare we have a conversation about trade when there are children right now being treated without anesthetic? Well, the there are things that, that require us to make they some do sacrifices, have the, and this would be I mean, one they, of them. They do have the global economy, global markets hostage. Good for them. Yeah, that's funny. You know, basically, I mean, you can go back and listen to the rest of the interview, but... Uh, Essentially, the woman gives up after that. She goes, <laughs> like, there's just no convincing this woman. She goes, good for them, you know. But here again, you know, she she puts her in a position where she's got to defend the Houthis. And, and look, the Houthis are just a gang, just like our government is a gang. It's just the, the baddest gang on the street, right? They're tougher than the other gang, so they get to rule. And and this is this is no different, really, than the government. In fact, whoever's running things, whoever's in control and, and running things, you know, and telling other people what to do, that's the government. The Yemen is now ruled by the Houthis. You know, just like in Somalia, when things kind of broke down in Somalia, uh, you know, it was run by the baddest gang. The guy was with the most uh, Toyota 4Runners and pickup trucks with, with machine guns in the back or whatever. And so, you know, again, she's not trying to defend the Houthis. Uh, that's no different than defending a government. All she's saying is, can't you understand why they are doing what they're doing? They're looking at their fellow man, you know, over in Palestine suffering. And they're trying to get the world's attention. Well, nothing gets somebody's attention like, you know, hijacking a cargo ship full of Amazon shipments and people are wondering where their stuff is. Well, you know, maybe they'll figure it out. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll go, Hey, you know, I think our, I think our Amazon package late is late because the Houthis have hijacked a, a, a cargo ship out in the Red Sea. And uh, what are they pissed off about anyway? Oh, oh, they're pissed off about Palestine. Oh, okay. Well, maybe we should stop doing that. Maybe we should stop funding Israel's 
uh, grudge against Palestine, which by the way, I, in fact, I'm going to do a show. I'm going to do a show on this. There's a lady talking about this whole history, like the arc of history around Palestine. And I need to do a little bit more research on it myself. There's a, there's a great book. Um, I, I, I know cause many, 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 many people have told me about it. It's called coming to Palestine and it's written by a guy named Sheldon Richmond. And it's, it's, it's supposed to be the best book that discusses the history of this land and, and how it came to be the way it is today and so on and so forth. And, um, anyway, there's, there's, uh, there's a lot to the history of Israel and Palestine and the, the, but I'm not even getting into that now. Really, really what I, what I want to say about it is, you know, how can Israel really be for a two state solution? I just tell you, for as long as I've been alive, they've been telling the world that they're trying to negotiate a two-state solution. But there's never a two-state solution. And the most recent thing that has come to light, and I look, I love Jews. I love the Israeli people. Okay? I just don't like the state. I don't like the state of Israel. I don't like Netanyahu. I think these guys are criminals. Okay? Simple as that. But look at, look at what they did, okay? This is, this is something most people are not aware of. It was in 2004 or something like that, Israel pulled out of Gaza. Now, that was, they did that for very strategic reasons, okay? What they did is they knew that Hamas would get control because Hamas would be the baddest gang there. Once, once the Israelis left, the baddest gang in town was Hamas. So now Hamas starts exerting its authority in the Gaza Strip. And guess what Israel gets to say? Oh, we, you know, we're trying to negotiate a two-state solution, but, you know, Hamas runs everything in Gaza, and we can't, we can't negotiate with a terrorist organization. I mean, we just, the world can't expect us to come to some agreement with Hamas. And so, essentially pulling out of Gaza and turning it over to Hamas you know, absolves Israel from having to, to negotiate a two-state solution. And this is, this is obviously the case, but you don't hear anybody talking about it. And this is not right. I mean, they're not negotiating in good faith. They're not, and, and, and it also allows them to, you know, be attacked by Hamas and then say, see, we can't negotiate with these guys. We can't let, we can't end the Gaza Strip. We can't just stop guarding those walls and all this stuff. Look, those people will kill us. And, and it's hard to argue with that, right? I mean, someone sitting from the outside of that is looking at the going, yeah, you know, I kind of agree with Netanyahu. You let all those people out, they're going to kill every damn Jew there. But, but can't you see that, I mean, that, we, that this was a created situation. This was created by Israel. And now that it's gotten so out of control, you know, Israel can't let them out. It'd be like a, it'd be like somebody you put in jail for 20 years, and then at the end of 20 years, they, they completely became a maniac, and if you let them out, they're going to kill everybody. And so you, you say, well, I know you were only sentenced for 20 years, but I just can't let you out. You're just too damn dangerous. <laughs> I mean, that's the situation over there. So, 
this is why it, it was allowed to persist for way too long. They should have settled this way back in the 60s um, when there was an opportunity to settle it. But now, how do you settle it without just killing a bunch of people? I mean, I, I think that's a legitimate question, and I don't know the answer to it. But I know that uh, the Israeli government are not the white hats and the Palestinians are the black hats. I know that for sure. And so this is the kind of shit that's going on in the world right now, though. And, and look, if you're listening to Fox News or CNN or MSNBC, all you're getting is a bunch of people's opinions about what they think is going on in the world. They're not actually paying attention. They just get paid to sit in their little chair and yammer on about shit they know nothing about and aren't even interested enough to look into it. And so I think we're all going to have to start branching out on where we get our news. And I know that's under a lot of criticism, like you're a crazy person and Seth, you know, you can't do that. And we got to, you know, we got to listen to respectable news and all this kind of talk around that. But I think I think really if if you want to if you want to engage in some of the most interesting conversations you're going to have to branch out a little bit and hopefully that's why you come here to listen I you know hopefully hopefully that I'm, I'm I'm you know what's the term I'm thinking of where you uh, assimilate's not the right word but I'm I'm gathering this type of information for you and coming on here and talking about it so if you like that keep coming back keep listening and I'll be here to Roll some more out along the way. All right, everybody. Have a good one. Peace.